Sometimes in this life, you just have to take a chance. That's next on this episode of the Gratitude Journal Podcast. This is the Gratitude Journal Podcast. Greetings, salutations, big chilly hellos from Northeast Ohio. Grateful friends, friends that show gratitude. I appreciate you downloading and listening to another episode of the Gratitude Journal podcast. Matthew is my name, and we are blessed today with unbelievably temperate temperatures here in Northeast Ohio. Usually, it's, uh, eh, you know, I'm spending some time putting some salt on the sidewalk or bundling up to take my after lunch walk. But today it's been really, really nice. I know this because as a motorcyclist, I should say former motorcyclist because I don't currently own a bike because of my bicycle accident, which I think I've referenced before. Hopefully I can change that in 2021. But I've been hearing the rumble of motors outside. So I know that because our temperatures are hovering in the 50 degree range, Uh, This is quite rare for two weeks before Christmas here in Northeast Ohio, so we're grateful for that. Heck yeah. Blue sky, a few wispy white clouds, but for the most part, sunshine and nice, a nice day here for a Friday. So my better half has been experiencing some back pain and uh, it's sort of been ongoing, so she has kind of spent the day, you know, doing some art projects and laying down on her back, and we're trying to find some kind of solution to this. There's nothing worse than going through life in pain. And I haven't experienced that kind of pain, but uh, it has something to do with maybe degenerative disc or something else. We had an x-ray earlier this week, and so she's been sort of bouncing back and forth between her various art projects and just dealing with abject pain. And it's just, you know, it just sucks. I mean, there's there's no way around it. So between that and trying to get some Christmas stuff done, and we have a lot of people who live outside of the state. And so this is always a challenge. And, you know, in some cases, a chore because, not a chore to find something nice for someone for Christmas, but a chore because I always wait too long. And I always tell myself, you know, I'm going to jump on this early. I'm going to get my list together. And as soon as January 2nd rolls around, I'm going to start shopping for next year. I'm going to get this done. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be great. And then, of course, you know, December 2nd, the following year comes around and I still haven't done anything. So it was pretty much the case this year, too. But, but we did manage to make some progress and are still making some progress. So in between pain and combined with some rather temperate temperatures, uh, it's been okay here in the age of COVID. What has not been okay is the extremely high numbers in our state. That has not been okay. We, for the third day now, have surpassed 11,000 COVID cases a day. So that is never good. So we have really been kind of hunkered down and really trying to do our part to uh, help things uh, move along rather quickly until a vaccine can become available.
I mentioned before in previous podcasts that uh, I'm normally befuddled by the passing of time and how quickly time passes. And I mentioned time today because it was this time, well, maybe a couple of months off, this time 40 years ago, 40, four, zero, that your humble host entered the Roman Catholic Seminary for Priesthood Studies. And that does seem like another galaxy away in some ways. It seems like it was so much another life. And yet so much of it is still so sharp and crisp in my mind. And I bring it up because the person I wanted to talk about and the person I wanted to reference, something that this gentleman said has been gnawing at me. I mean, gnawing at me in a good way, but gnawing at me nonetheless, reminding me of something that I should keep in mind from time to time, something that I should do from time to time. And I think during the holidays, I tend to lean in the direction of, can't I do more? Won't I do more? Is there something that I can do, some positive thing that has happened in my life that I could share with someone who perhaps doesn't have that luxury, especially during the holiday? And I always feel woefully inadequate because it almost seems as if I can never find a good way to share what little bit of advantage I feel that I have that maybe some other person or some other family doesn't have. So that's what makes me bring this up. And it seems coincidental that it's been unbelievably 40 years ago since I drove down to Columbus with my mom and rearranged my assigned room so that I could study for the Roman Catholic priesthood for the Diocese of Youngstown, Ohio. And I still remember my mother sitting in the back seat of whoever drove. I don't recall who it was. It wasn't her. But she was getting ready to get into the car, and she handed me this rosary that I still have. And she told me how much she loved me. And this was my first time away. It was devastating. And to watch that car drive away and to watch my mother turn around and look at me through the back window. And nothing has ever felt so desperate and lonely and heartbreaking as that moment. And so as people who go away, who leave home, will tell you there has to be a certain amount of time that passes. And I don't want to share my whole seminary experience with you, but I do believe that's true, that once you come across a couple of people who become friends. And, and and a couple of those people are still friends to this day. And once you become a little bit more intimately familiar with your surroundings, the 
newness and the the hardship that you encounter, that I encounter, maybe everybody doesn't encounter that. I did. And I've experienced it literally every place I've ever moved. Where I leave one place and go to another, the transition is very difficult. And the most difficult was going to the seminary and being away from home and watching that car pull away. And until that period of time settles in, and allows you to become more familiar with your surroundings. And eventually you call that quote unquote home. The person I wanted to talk about is a person who I didn't know intimately as a friend. It's a person that I didn't have a whole series of sit up at night and crack a few beers and and get to know each other and talk about life. Wasn't that kind of a relationship. But I'm sure we all have encountered a mentor or someone who we would like to think of them as a mentor, even if we never had the chance to tell them that they were a mentor. And mentors, as I've referenced in other podcasts, can come in a variety of shapes and sizes. And this particular person was really a large, looming, gargantuan figure during my three years at the Pontifical College Josephinum. And I would have to say that the the Reverend Monsignor Leonard J. Fick has probably made as much impact on me as anybody who has come along whether that's been a boss or a team leader or a coworker or anybody related to any job or career position that I've held. And I bring up Father Leonard J. Fick because I think a lot about something he said during our graduation ceremony, which I'll reference here in a little bit. But you have to understand that Leonard J. Fick was a humongous academic and intellectual figure. I mean, Leonard J. Fick attended the Pontifical College Josephinum. He graduated from the Pontifical College Josephinum. He came back to teach at the Pontifical College Josephinum. And we, in the seminary, heard these stories about some of these professors whom we encountered. And this transition for me, going from a branch campus of Kent State University, which I have absolutely zero negative things to say, I met wonderfully intelligent uh, academics at the branch campus of Kent State University. The transition from Kent State to the Josephinum, for me, academically, was night and day. I never felt more like a fish out of water when I was surrounded by some of the people that I was surrounded by at the Josephinum, both fellow classmates, certainly fellow classmates, but more importantly, the people who we encountered as professors, many of them priests, some of them brothers, some of them 
were secular uh, professors. But nonetheless, these people were just large academic figures in my life. And they really, they proved to me without a shadow of a doubt that on many levels, I simply did not belong there. The available majors to study at the Pontifical College Josephina were limited. You could study philosophy, which many did. And for a while, at the college level of priesthood formation, philosophy at one point was really about the only thing that you could study because it led into graduate theology. But at this particular school and several other seminaries throughout the United States, they also offered degrees in English and history and other majors, uh, not nearly as many majors as you would find even at a small liberal arts college. But nevertheless, I chose English because I was interested in English. And as it turned out, Monsignor Leonard J. Fick held a Ph.D. in English literature. And the stories abounded about Fick. You know, Fick earned his Ph.D. two years earlier than everybody else. Fick would take a book and go out by the exit light of a hallway long after many of the other seminarians were ordered into their rooms and lights out. And, you know, he would read John Steinbeck or he would read Hemingway or he would read John Dos Passos or any of the large literary figures that he would regale us with. And so Fick was a legend before he even stepped foot in the classroom. But he was a legend before he even made it to the classroom. I remember he sent this letter to me. And this letter, of course, went to everybody who was entering the Josephinum for the first time. And he just had a style of writing that told you that you had now taken a step into another realm and that realm was something that was going to be a brusque slap in the face to tell you to show you how deficient you were on any academic level and i remember the final phrase of that letter where he said enjoy god's splash called july Leonard J. Fick was a short man, somewhat rotund. He had a kind of a ruddy face, kind of a reddish nose. Balding, but still had white hair, close-cropped and short on the sides and in the back. And when Leonard J. Fick walked, he didn't so much walk as he shuffled. Short steps. Almost walking on eggshells, kind of a walk. And I remember the first day we all assembled in the basement of the college building and a number of professors came over to introduce themselves. And when it was Leonard J. Fick's time to speak, someone next to me said, this guy is the only guy who can speak like Shakespeare wrote. 
And he said, I greet you on this fine day at this institution of higher learning situated snugly on the eastern banks of the Olentangy River. So I was frightened to death because I was scheduled to take my first introductory survey course with Leonard J. Fick. And just the sound of his voice and the way he presented himself made me reconsider every decision that I had made up until that point to even enter the seminary. I was in complete awe of Leonard J. Fick. But one thing I learned about Fick is that for every flowery, ornate oratory he gave, he was even that much more down-to-earth. And he didn't sometimes always exemplify it in the classroom. But he would do it casually as you were walking next to him. Or if he would see you in the refectory or the cafeteria. We called it the refectory. I prefer refectory. I think it should be used all the time. It was the first time I'd ever heard the word. And I came to learn that Father Fick, the academic giant that he was, was also a big baseball fan. And during several of the student picnics that we would have throughout the spring and early fall, it was not uncommon for Fick to be seen talking to students It was not uncommon for Fick to be seen talking to other faculty members with a beer and a plastic glass and a hot dog. It wasn't uncommon for Fick to show up in our student lounge. We had a student lounge in the basement. It wasn't uncommon for Fick to show up. And of course, the rubber met the road during assignments, especially writing assignments. And it was always a heart-palpitating experience to know that you were going to get an essay returned to you with Vic's grade. And during that first year, I suffered a number of almost humiliating results from those writing assignments. But Father Fick was always fair, and he never put anybody down with his comments. He could be very abrupt and concise with his comments, but you always knew that he meant well when he made those comments. And it was during the end of the first year, the second semester at the Josephine, and when I got an essay returned to me, and it had B on it as a grade. And it said, Matt, in the aggregate, this is not bad. And I stared at that piece of paper for days. I stared at it. I called my mom and I told her about it. I couldn't quite explain to her who Father Fick was or just what impact he was already having on me. But that was a milestone in my writing and in my literary journey, just to have that comment from Father Fick. It was also 40 years ago that John Lennon died. And I remember the day because we were getting ready to go to class when I heard about it. 
And Father Fick was talking about modern authors. And were there ever any modern authors who could rival Sinclair Lewis or Emily Dickinson or Walt Whitman? And Fick was convinced that that wasn't the case, that there would never be anybody that could rival them. And there wasn't anybody currently writing that could rival them. But Fick looked out the window and he stopped and he said, but I would imagine that one would consider John Lennon, a very comparable singer and songwriter. And then he went back to his lecture. I remember going to Father Fick's office because I had been late on an assignment. And there was a reason why I was late on the assignment. It wasn't just because I neglected to do it. I don't quite recall why I was late with the assignment, but I felt like I needed to go to his office and explain why I was late. And I remember going to the door, knocking on the door, and him having three or four books opened all at once on his desk. And he looked up and he invited me into the office and I said, Father, I just want to say that I completely forgot about this assignment. It totally escaped me. It wasn't my intent at all. I went on to explain this and he looked at me and he let me finish and he said, you know what, Matt? I believe you. I also remember walking into his office to turn in an assignment and he grabbed the assignment and said, Matt, you're not a bad writer. You're not a good writer, but you're not a bad writer. And just for Fick to say that, that was enough to make any day. I was not a very good seminarian. I was not a very good student. I wasn't a very proficient student. I also wasn't a very good student from a spiritual perspective. I struggled a lot with how religious I was. How should I exhibit it? What barometer would I have to measure my spiritual worth? Was it how many times I prayed? Was it how I prayed? How should I pray? What did that mean? because I didn't feel like a very pious person, did that mean that I wasn't going to be a good priest? Should I concentrate as much on academics as I should on spirituality? Should one be more important than the other for me to be an effective priest? I lay in my bed on numerous nights in room 132 of the Josephinum College building, and I pondered those things. I worried about those things. Did I fold my hands the right way? Did I look like a priest? Where's the line between being academically gifted and being spiritually worthy. Some students seemed so academically gifted that there was no question that they were going to be priests from an intellectual level, maybe even fellow teachers like Fick. 
when there are other students who seem so spiritually gifted and so theologically grounded, even though they may not be the most erudite, that they seem destined to be a priest simply because they just seemed more priestly. But I always felt somewhere in the middle. I wasn't particularly intellectually gifted. It was a struggle for me to be successful in the classroom. And I also wasn't quite sure as to how I should act spiritually. When would I find that balance? And would I find that balance somewhere along the path, the eight or nine year path to ordination? And while I never made it to ordination and decided not to be a priest, I often wondered about that mix. And the person who really showed me that I didn't have to be necessarily weighted in one direction or the other was Father Fick. Yes, extremely intellectually gifted, extremely academically gifted, but also a pious man in his own way. I felt like he was a spiritually sound person. He never wore it on his sleeve. And that balance between being gifted as an intellectual and being grounded as a Catholic made me feel better about the time that I spent at the Josephinum. It made me feel better about my calling at that time. Father Fick, who was invited to be our commencement speaker almost unanimously by our class, because many classes brought in outside speakers and outside authors or People of note who weren't necessarily connected to the Josephinum, but it was almost a unanimous choice that Father Fick present our graduation speech. And a portion of that speech talked about the Good Samaritan. And towards the end of the speech, he said, you're going to be confronted by things. And some of those things are going to be dangerous. So the next time when you see somebody on the side of the road and they look helpless and the situation seems like a situation where you didn't want to stop, that you won't want to stop, take a chance. Stop. And I've been thinking about those words over the past couple of months. If I saw somebody on the side of the road like I did a couple of weeks ago. And I opted not to help them like I did a couple of weeks ago. How would I feel? And it was almost that exact situation. Somebody looked like they had broken down. And under normal circumstances, I might, if given the opportunity, pull over and see if I could offer some help. 
and at the time, I was rushing to get back here to the studio to do work. And it just didn't feel right then that I should stop. And I felt bad about it ever since, because I remembered those words from Leonard J. Fick. Sometimes you have to stop. Sometimes you have to take a chance. I want to say congratulations to our granddaughter, Megan, and her boyfriend, Michael, who are new graduates this weekend at the University of Alabama. We had every intention of going. We waffled back and forth because of COVID. First we were going, then we weren't, then we were, then we weren't. And so I feel really bad that we weren't able to go. We had every intention of going. Just another debacle, another travesty at the hands of COVID-19 this year. But uh, congratulations to her that she's already started her new career and she's going to be a great nurse. She's going to, she's already a great nurse, but she's going to be an even better nurse and the medical community is lucky to have her. Here, closer to home, we're basking in the delight that is the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> the 9-3 and three Cleveland Browns. I mean, this is just uh, unprecedented. And we're, we're basking in the glow. This reminds me of the Bernie Kosar years. And uh, hopefully, we can keep it going. And you never know. It's been the bright spot of the year with all of the bad things that have happened. Hopefully it turns out to be the brightest of bright spots. You never know how far they could go. So until then, I'm going to try to follow the words of Leonard Fick. I'm grateful that I had the opportunity to be in the same room as him day after day with my measly academic skills. I feel grateful that I have had such a mentor. I feel grateful that I had the luxury, the opportunity to experience both the academic prowess and the wonderful good-naturedness and the down-to-earth personality of the Reverend Monsignor Leonard J. Fick. And I remind myself again today to sometimes go out of your way and don't be afraid to take a chance, especially when it comes to helping somebody else. Until then, I hope you're safe and that you are uh, out of harm's way. And until we talk again, thank you for downloading and listening another episode of the Gratitude Journal podcast. <laughs>